This podcast possibly contains spoilers, but definitely includes explicit language. Welcome to For the Watch Podcast. With me is Joshua Price, the unpopular opinionist. Oh yeah, and I forgot to say, I'm the editor-in-chief of Rhyme and Reason. Yeah, that too. <laughs> uh, this is episode 10 of season 6 of Game of Thrones. The Winds of Winter. Yes, and so much happened in this episode. I mean, did it? Yes. Okay, I'll take your word for it. This was one of my favorite episodes, I think, because it wrapped up a lot of different storylines that I just couldn't stand after a while. Especially a lot of toying around with, um, for example, uh, the Tower of Joy. Um, we didn't know what was happening there. They like kept playing with us. And then um, Cersei mm-hmm. doing all sorts of things. Um, so Drinking I, lots of wine. So I think uh, if you want to start out, let's... let's Talk about King's Landing and that slow open. What did you think of the the music on that? Um, I heard a lot of people compared this to The Godfather, and so um, it was a really big warning sign as to what was coming. Especially with like the whole bells starting the whole episode out. It's like, you know someone's going to die when someone's ringing bells. Yeah, I liked how slow they did it, um, how everyone was like getting ready for this event, because it was going to be, you know, in lieu of the... Trial by combat. The trial by combat, yeah. <laughs> so in lieu of that, they were going to do something else, and like we didn't really know what the trial was going to involve. And thankfully, we didn't actually get to the trial, because that would have been boring as shit. Well, we saw Loras kind of admit to his stuff, and... He got a new adornment on his forehead. Yeah. I mean, luckily, he only had to suffer that pain for a little while, and be and had that on his forehead until we saw uh, Lancel having to go out, go out and find Cersei. Mm-hmm. Um, my question for you is, why was Cersei not already there? Why didn't they have all the people they were going to accuse sitting around for a long time? Oh, because she had the mountain, and you know they couldn't really make her do anything right now. That was just terrible, terrible um, planning on their part. Yeah, but they were going to like judge her regardless, and then stage some sort of coup. I guess was the plan. I don't really know what the point of that was. Especially yeah. if you're going to try the person who isn't there because she's got plans for your ass. <laughs> so, um, basically, the High Sparrow says, after Loras has his little thing, um, go find Cersei, like, go, why is she not here? Go get her. And Lancel leaves the, the with some guys, and he sees a little um, bird, a little... Little kid. A little kid. Street urchin. Yeah. Um, probably going to grow up to be a Latin one day. Mm-hmm. Who knows? We hope. Um, let's hope that he got out of there fast enough um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> for that terrorist attack, basically. Uh, and he's like, hmm, this looks suspicious. Let me follow this little kid. And they end up going down into some area, which apparently is fairly easy to access. Well, it, it's way down there. But, yeah, like you said, it's not guarded. Um, it's just kind of there for any person to wander far enough into. And that's probably how the little birds found it to begin with. Right, but like, still, you think that more people would have found it by then because random kids just go in there all the time. I'm really surprised that kids haven't already fucked it up. Like, right, let's play with matches down there. Yeah, like, there's green stuff oozing out of these barrels. I wonder, I wonder what happens. I wonder if it tastes good. Like, yeah, I can't expect uh, the kids in uh, King's Lane to be very smart. <laughs> Let it go to school, so. <laughs> um. So, what did you think about that? Like. That's set up, because you know something big's going to happen. You're like, well, Cersei looks like she's getting ready, but uh, what's going on? And then you see the, the mountain talk to, or not talk to Tommen. He stops Tommen from mm-hmm. going anywhere. 
and yeah, the same, suspense is just building and building. Yeah, so they basically use um, uh, it's Lancel, right? Mm-hmm. Lancel as our camera in to the catacombs or wherever the uh, that batch of wildfire. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's basically our camera to see what how it's being stored and basically what the plan is, which I thought was really. Uh, quite cute, the way they had those little candles there, just waiting to, like, burn down and kill everyone. Yeah, it's like an old-timey gunpowder yeah. uh, trail, where you just, like, light it, and you're like, well, it's gonna go off. See yeah, you guys. eventually, like, you don't know when, but it's gonna happen. But I guess they can kind of time it out, uh, depending on how big the candle was. Yeah, I mean, but at least they had three of them. Yeah. Who wouldn't want some sort of draft to take them out? Yeah, uh, and Loris, uh, not Loris, Lancel, try as he may, uh, doesn't get there in time, um, because he gets shanked by the little kid, and now that little kid, uh, you know, is probably have to get some therapy, because he just shanked a dude. Well, he's gonna go eat some candies. Oh, no, that's true, it's, it's a good reward system, so maybe not, he'll be fine. Yeah, I thought that maybe what would happen would be that, um... Lancel actually would be able to blow out the candles. Mm-hmm. And, and then thwart the whole thing. Yeah, and then it would have been, like, Cersei's dead. Like, everything would have been thrown into, like, chaos. That would have been very interesting to see, like, her master plan go down in flames. Ha. As opposed to the... Her master plan going up in flames. Yeah, <laughs> the sept. <laughs> yeah, so um, while this is happening, we have Marjorie like, pondering in the sept yeah, as to why Cersei's not there. And, and light bulb just, I saw it go up above her head. Yeah, and it it's kind of like, crazy. Girls should have been thinking this, like, long before, because you know how Cersei plays that game. Right. I mean, like, uh, I think that maybe they thought that she had left. Like, she just peaced out and was like, I'm just going to go find, do something else, like, get away from you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was wondering, like, why the sparrows stopped people from leaving, because, you know, well... People are there voluntarily to begin with, so why are you forcibly stopping them from leaving? It was just really stupid, I think. I think at least some people should have gotten out, but... They wouldn't have gotten very far. Exactly, but it would have been something at least because, like, he's an idiot, and he should really know this is how the queen is, and be like, why it's these kind of tricks, because he's in the game now, too. Yeah. Um, so this was kind of like that, that thing with the gun... What's that, um, that trope? Chekhov's gun? Yeah, so, like, they they, they showed it. it to us mm-hmm. in one of Bran's flashbacks. They constantly refer to, like, the secret that's, like, beneath the sept. Or, yep. Um, so it was it was bound to happen, and I'm glad it happened in the way it did, because it was, it was so cinematic. Like, you were just watching things occur, and there was no talking for a long time. And then, mm-hmm. of course, you get to the trial, and then, kaboom, you just see everything go into flame, green flames, and you see the the bell come and smash them yeah, into the ground. It hit, it hit some guy, too, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was pretty fantastic. And just, like, seeing that shot of the uh, High Sparrow, like, going up in green flames, like, thank God, because he had that coming for a long time. Yeah. But why did we spend so much time on these, like, useless characters that they're going to be, like, well, I mean, snuffed out anyway? The thing is, we got... Entertainment out of it. I mean, I mean, I mean the High Sparrow in particular. I know he's like an important figure in this kind of story arc, but they could have used him better in a better way rather than him just like waxing on creepily about how he used to love sex. Yeah, well, 
They did that a lot this season. Yeah, they did a lot of, like, useless scenes when um, they could have been at least doing uh, some sort of imagery or scene change or uh, setting for time changes because there have been so many time changes in this season that we are unaware of. So we don't know if it's been weeks or months since the beginning of this first season, or first episode. Um, and just, like, a calendar or something, or fucking anything that would denote a change in time would be wonderful. Yeah, that's just one of those things you're going to have to drop, basically. Yeah, because... <laughs> Anyways, um, what did you think... So, Septa Unella mm-hmm. gets taken in, and Cersei... Is gonna torture her. She's gonna wine board her. Yeah, wine border. Um, and then she says like, "Oh no, you're not gonna die today." Mm-hmm. And then the mountain comes in. So I mean, I mean, this is the first time we see his face. Yes. And he is like blue and zombie looking, but when we look back at him, he has like a pink neck. So I don't know what's exactly going on. Maybe his lighting. Um, Maybe. But he had he looked very zombified. Yes, a bit of uh. Of shit missing from his face, like some flesh on his cheeks and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Presumably, he takes off his his helmet for what? Uh, to who, scare her? To I I don't know what the game here is. I don't know if it's like his reward or something, and he gets to just do what he wants with her. Um, which, you know, if that's the case, then we've just reintroduced rape into the. Yeah, I kind of like that they didn't necessarily show anything because that would have been too too much like the showrunners know at this point that we don't want to see rape just for rape's sake no just leave it up to our imaginations yeah beyond the wall mm-hmm. with um bran and uh mira mm-hmm. and they also told us a little bit more about the wall which um i think it may have been hinted at before about like how there's spells carved into it and so my question is if there are spells keeping the dead out of the wall, then what's the problem? You have the wall still. It's not coming down anytime soon, is it? I don't know, because winter is coming, but that seems like it would make the wall stronger. Yeah. Um, and if there's spells involved, then they this shouldn't be an issue. Unless there's, like, something which is supposed to destroy the wall. In which there, in the book, there was, like, a horn or something that was supposed to be able to break the magic in the hall, but it was just, like, a myth. And Tormund said that he... Not Tormund. Um, what's his name? The guy before, Mance. Mance Raider uh, said that he had found it when really he didn't. But he just had this like really fancy-looking horn um, that the Night's Watch then got and burned, I think. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't even the real one, but they burned it anyway. So there's a legend of something that can take down the wall in the books, but we haven't heard anything about this in the show so far. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like, you just gotta use your imagination for lots of things, I guess. Mm-hmm. You just gotta fill in the the big old blanks where the writers are leaving for us. Yeah. Um, they did touch on um, Samwell. Yes. And somehow he's... We are suspending time travel... Or, not time travel... Distance traveling and just saying, we're getting on with it. We're not going to complain about that much more, except for uh, Varys. But anyways, uh, they they now are suddenly at, where is it called, Old Town? Where he's going to become a maester? Um, the Citadel, The I Citadel, think. okay. 
And that's where they send out uh, all, all sorts of ravens and whatnot. And the, yeah, that's where they um, calculate where the uh, the seasons are as well. So he brings in um, Gilly and the, her kid Sam into the Citadel, into this library, so that he can become a maester. And he's told, well, uh, this is not really the way things work. And apparently they're not full of information because they don't know what's happening at Castle Black. They don't know who's died, who's alive, who Jon Snow is, that he's died and come back in the time that Samuel Tarly's been away. It's kind of crazy. Um, so uh, Gilly and her kid like, are stuck outside, and he goes inside this huge, beautiful library. Mm-hmm. And at the top there, did you see what those things were? The clerestory windows? Was that what that were? I don't know what the name of them are, but I know the names of them are, but... I know that at the beginning of the show, like the opening credits... Yeah, it's the the same thing. And I wonder if that was uh, uh, a nice little Easter egg that George gave them early on as to what to do with like the title. Be like, oh, you know, this is a cool idea. Go with this. Because it's going to pay off, guys. Yeah. Just um, wait six seasons. Yeah, so a lot of like architecture nerds like broke down the Citadel because there are numerous different styles that the Citadel draws upon. Um, There's, like, Roman, Egyptian, Mayan, Greek. Just, like, everything is in there. Yeah, so that was really cool. Yeah. Um, And these things are... They they exist in real life. Um, There's also one in uh, Skyrim that you do on a quest as well to get a Elder Scroll. But this isn't an Elder Scrolls podcast. But uh, it's they're a thing, is what I'm saying. Thank goodness it's not an Elder Scrolls podcast. It would be amazing if it were. <laughs> um, Alright. So, so he, he weeps a little bit, and he pees a little bit in his pants, because he loves them books. Um, and he was sent there to find something about the White Walkers, maybe, and how to destroy them, so good luck, Sam. Yeah, he'll, he has a Valyrian sword, so he'll be fine. Yeah, but I hope that he is armed with the Dewey Decimal System, because... Otherwise, I don't know how the fuck he's going to find anything in that library. Yeah. Also, this is another um, uh, joke that they threw in when he first met the uh, guy at the Citadel who was just, like, a weirdo librarian. And, you know, that's not a trope that's been overplayed in media and whatnot. Do you know, Game of Thrones, that a lot of your really big fans are librarians? Mm -hmm. Do you even know? Why would you make them look weird? Yeah. So that's another uh, stereotype that's been perpetrated by Game of Thrones. Thanks. Um, but all in all, this scene wasn't overly long. Um, it did have a nice little bit of payoff because, you know, Sam was previously a beloved character before he silently got, like, ushered off set for most of the season. Um, yeah, he, he appeared three times. And who knows what the fuck he's going to be uh, doing with Gilly and little Sam. I don't know where they're staying. Yeah. Not in the library. He can't afford to keep them. No, he has no money. He's about to become a librarian. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, let's actually go back to what Bran saw. Yeah, so Bran talked a little bit to Benjen, and Benjen said ciao, and they found another weirwood tree, and he warged into it to finish his vision, which I'm glad that they can just, you know, unpause from where they were. It's kind of like Netflix for trees. Essentially. 
It's literally Netflix and chill because it's so cold beyond the wall. <laughs> Worgen chill. <laughs> um, so he goes back to the vision of his father, his young dad, um, at the Tower of... What is it? Joy. The Tower of Joy, which is an ironic name. Um, it was ironic a couple of season, uh, episodes ago. Yeah. I mean, it still is because we're still in the same flashback. Anyway. Uh, so we see Stark go up into the Tower of Joy, and he, he finds Leanna there, and she just had a baby, and she says, oh no, you know, they're gonna kill him if you don't protect him, so you have to protect him, promise me this, and then she goes, Bleh. oh, well, not before whispering some, uh, new secret into, uh, Stark's ear, which we will never find out. Right. Yeah. We will never find out because but Brand I, wasn't. He close wasn't close enough. enough. Yeah. Um. So a lot of people are speculating that this is like her giving him uh John's real name, which a lot of people are now thinking that it's going to be um another mishmash of a uh book character, the Secret Prince Aegon Targaryen, um who was supposed to, who who was whisked away um as a baby to eventually be remarried to. Daenerys, and then retake the throne in the books. So they might kind of throw that in there, like, oh, he is Aegon, he's supposed to help Daenerys take the throne, or something like that. That's just an idea people are throwing out right now. But he's not going to get with her, right? I mean, it wouldn't be, you know, weird for a Targaryen to marry another Targaryen. True. Um, But her babies are only dragons. She can't really have any more babies. I mean, we'll see. Uh, Also... This is another kind of deep dive lore thing that people are, are talking about right now, um, which has more to do with the prophecy and how Jon Snow is supposed to fulfill the prophecy um, because it's supposed to be a child born under a bleeding star that is supposed to be the one to uh, take back the night and you know vanquish the White Walkers. Um, so... In this flashback, the night that uh, Ned Stark defeated, uh, his crest was a uh, falling star on a sword. Wow. Yes, and the same crest is on his sword. It's a, it's a falling star, and it now has been bloodied, obviously, because of the combat. Oh. And so Ned takes this bloody star sword up and rests it on the bed that Lyanna dies on. So they're just like... Digging in deep into the uh, symbolism that the show is giving us so far. If only we cared about real events as much as we care about Game of Thrones. I know. Then we could actually get a lot accomplished. Right. If only. Um, so this episode was seventy, almost 70 minutes long. Mm-hmm. Um, we definitely felt that. Uh, we also had to go to Winterfell when we had... Uh, Sir, uh, what's her name? Sansa mm-hmm. and John talking about the fact that she didn't tell him that Peter Baelish was coming. Mm-hmm. That Littlefinger had troops from the Vale and that they were going to come save them. And I've heard a lot of people just talk about this and not understand why she didn't say anything at the time. Um, it comes down to trust, supposedly. Mm-hmm. But she told. Uh, when some, Brienne, I, Brienne yeah. Li- earlier that she trusted John that nothing's going to happen, everything will be okay. And I guess she's just becoming more like Peter Baelish over time, but... Yeah, she's getting sucked into that game. It's like Jumanji up in here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then we have a scene that goes with Davos and Melisandre. 
which... Um, it could I, have happened at any point in the season. Yes. I don't think that this scene would have made any difference if he had said, Hey, Melisandre, go south. Just as soon as Brienne showed up and said something about Shireen and... Exactly, because after episode one, Melisandre was pretty much done for the season. She didn't do anything. So She didn't help at the battle. No, she didn't she give didn't, any more vision. She didn't bring anyone else back from the dead. She didn't try to resurrect uh, 1-1, so she's pretty much dead to me. Yeah, she, hasn't, she didn't do shit. Now, if she does go south, who do you think she's going to run into? Uh, she'll probably be the replacement priest uh for the brothers without banners and that combined with Arya um taking up the mantle almost as lady stoneheart like dealing out stark brand justice um might be their new go-to mishmash storyline as well ah because they're not bringing back Callan stark it seems um but uh they might end up you know bringing back the hound or someone because where the fuck has he gone, you know? Yeah. Well, I think he's still hanging out with those guys. Yeah, so he... I mean, they're, they're supposedly going north. Uh, she's going south. As we now know, that means they will meet. Yeah. Um, so it's that, a very that, narrow little area. Yeah, I mean, there's only one road. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of Arya, mm-hmm. we did transition over... This is obviously a very mixed-matched uh, episode because... Yeah, they had to close so a lot many, of storylines. So many things happened. But we end up in Walder Frey's new home, mm-hmm. I guess. River Run. River Run. Um, and he's, like, talking to Jamie, and Jamie looks pissed. Yeah, Jamie don't care. He just wants to get back to Cersei. Jamie's just like, I don't want to have to keep bailing you out, guy. Mm-hmm. So get your kids together and try to figure this out. Yeah. And um, we did see, I mean, we saw, like, a new supporting character, which was the girl that Arya was uh, face-stealing at the time. Uh, because she was serving Jamie and Braun around that time, so I kind of saw that coming. <laughs> you did? I didn't see that coming yeah, at all. Yeah, because it's like... I love the surprise of that, because it was just <laughs> like, oh my god, it's Arya. Oh, how did she even get... Well, she got there quickly. And she survived her stab wounds without any risk of infection or anything. Like, goddamn girl. She's she probably got some sort of Targaryen blood in her as well. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe like that... Uh, stuff she drank in the House of Black and White, like, gave her... Made her her, invincible? Not invincible, but gave her, like, superior constitution or, like, you know, something. She's got some mad mojo going on right now, so... Good for her. Um, I was quite happy about this scene because we finally get to see her actually do something and achieve something for once. Yeah, and I like how they played it out, because, like, you you think that Braun is just, like, talking again just because of his penis. I don't know. Yeah. He keeps talking about it, so I'm talking about yeah. it. Yes, and he, he talked about it, and he's like, Jamie, I want something on my penis. And then he's like, all right, I'll get your dick wet. All right, girls, you go get this guy's dick wet. Okay, done. Yeah. Thanks for being on the, the set, Braun. We'll see you next season. Or maybe not. Probably not. Yeah, it doesn't seem likely. Because um, they're getting rid of a lot of minor characters, and I don't see him coming back, so yeah. he's just comic relief. Question for you. Where did Arya learn how to cook? Um, that's an interesting question. I mean, maybe she had some cooking duties in the House of Black and White, because, I mean, what are you doing? You're not preparing corpses all day. you got you got to eat at some point. I guess you have to eat the corpses, too. I mean, yeah, and that's why, <laughs> that's why she knows how to cook human, know how long it cooks for, you know, how... She knows how to season it, 
to make it pass as like regular food. You think that she would take out the bones though? If you're gonna make some sort of pot pie, she ain't got all day. She's got killing to do. It's true. She's a busy girl. Yeah, thumbnails and ugh, those are black bones. thumbnails. Nasty. Oh. Um, so happy to see Arya come back. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, she will re um, reunite with her family members soon enough. Uh, I think she. I hope she. Um, well, I think she's gonna end up with the Brothers Without Banners if she ends up going back north. Well, she's trying to hit Ma- Winterfell, so that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I also want to know where uh, Pod and Brienne are because they're just like they're on a boat. They're on a boat. Same with Gendry, and just we're just gonna wait for that to happen. Yeah. Also, uh, Walder Frey talked about the fact that Blackfish quote died. Yeah. So obviously, Blackfish is alive. Yeah. Because the, you mentioned how he was such a good warrior, you know, supposedly invincible, and then all of a sudden he goes down. And it's like, no, we don't really buy that. Very much how I also believe that Arya's teacher from, like, season one is also still alive. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, because he was a hopefully, great Hopefully fighter. he was not in uh, the Sept right at that point. Right? <laughs> I mean, I would love to see him, like, all of a sudden come back if he was, like, from Dorne or something, because I think that's where he was from, right? Something like that. Um, speaking, speaking of, of Dorn, uh, in... That'll be the name of the next podcast. Yeah, speaking of Dorn, <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> uh, we go to the Water, God- water Gardens, the Water Gardens of Dorn, and, uh, we have Lady Olena with the Sand Snakes, and what's her name? Bitchy McStabface. That's a good enough name for me. Yeah, I don't remember her name. Because it's been a season since we've seen her, basically, since episode one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're talking about, well, first, Lady Olena put some girls in their places because she doesn't care about the sna- the sand snakes um, as we do. Because I, I don't. So I'm glad no she... One no Everyone one does. Everyone hates the Dorn plot. They even hate the Iron Islands plot because it's wet Dorn. Like, yeah. No one <laughs> cares Dorn. about Dorn. It's just like a synonym for dumb at this point. Yeah. Um, so they're, she's already talking about how you know Cersei has taken away her son and or her grandson and her granddaughter and everyone, basically. House Tyrell is dead. Pretty much. Um, and then uh, Stabby McBitchface... Um, what has he called it before? Bitchy McStab face? <laughs> <laughs> um, she's like, oh, not so fast. And she rings this bell, and on cue, Varys walks out and says, blood and fire, and, like, that's it. I wish they had ended the episode there, because that would have been a really cool way to do it. Yes, but they but... needed him at the end on the ship, but we'll talk about that in a second. Why was he waiting in the shadows for her to ring a bell so he can come out and say this one line? It's stupid. It's fucking stupid as hell. It's a TV show. It it's a dumb TV show now. Like this is this is dramatic for dramatic sake. Oh, well, you got to make an entrance. I'm shaking my head right now. That's all I'm doing. Um, <laughs> it's just unnecessary. And like anyway, I'll, I'll, I'm done harping about this. Anyway, okay, so yeah, let's make this a positive episode. I'm trying. I really am. Um, I enjoyed it because Lady Lena got to smack talk some sand snakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Varys is there. Um, Stabby McBitchface was there as well. And yeah. the, they weren't being dumb. Like They're going to have some sort of thing. They're going to join together with Daenerys. Yes, and let's go to Marine, um, where Daenerys breaks up with her hubby. 
Dario. Thank goodness. Yeah, because he was getting quite annoying, very clingy, so I'm glad she just... Especially with that accent. Yeah, (laughs) what accent? Yeah, it's all over the place. (laughs) Yeah, Um, so she dumped him and said, you know what, I'm going to dump you, but you're going to be the Emperor of Marine, because I need you here. Um, At which point, I wonder why he didn't say, like, you know, I'm the Emperor of Marine now, you could marry me if you want alliances, bitch. Uh, So she dumps him as kind of per Tyrion's advice, and she goes to Tyrion, and makes him the uh, Hand of the Queen, which I thought was quite nice. Very touching um, Very cute. I like it. I like that he's the Hand of the something or other uh, for the second time now. Um, Because he has previous experience, so he's good for the job. He has the resume. Exactly. He's got got that CV, y'all. And then we... Wait, hold on. Okay, what? Do you think that he is a Targaryen? Tyrion? No. Okay, point one. His birth, like that of Daenerys and Jon, uh, killed his mother. Uh-huh. Tyrion was able to communicate with those dragons. Kind of. And something about the Mad King always had eyes for Joanna Lannister, um, and so that he had married the wrong woman. And so he could potentially have been a Targaryen. Uh, maybe. I mean, shit happens. Um, that'd be very interesting, and I would like to see a prophecy have more than one chosen one. Yes, because we like with Harry Potter, mm-hmm. with Lord of the Rings, you have the little Hobbit guy, Bilbo. <laughs> you know the special people. Like there's only ever ever one special person, mm-hmm. but if like a whole bunch of them could be special people, like they're yeah. the chosen ones. I mean, it depends on how literally you uh, translate the prophecy, basically, because there was a theory out there that Jorah Mormont was going to be the chosen one, um, which I'm still rooting for, honestly, because I think that would be a lot more uh, heartfelt. Joanna Mormont? No, uh, Jorah. Jorah. Not Joanna Mormont. Jorah. I don't know who Joanna Mormont is anyway. I meant to say Leanna Mormont. No, um, because the idea of uh, Jorah being... uh, I don't know. it's It's a film theory on... MatPat's Film Theory channel, it's very interesting, go watch it, it's on the YouTubes, um, but it would basically end with him having to, like, reforge the blade that beat the White Walkers with the heart of his most beloved, which would be Daenerys, so he would have to kill her in order to fight back the White Walkers and save the world, which I think would be a beautiful, sad Game of Thrones ending, but we're gonna get the happy ending and not the sad, awesome ending, so... Okay, well, not to steer you away from theories, but I also forgot to talk to you about Cersei. So, she's dressed up in this, like, black... She was ready for the funeral. Yeah, she was ready for the funeral, and little did she know that it was going to be the funeral of her beloved son, her last child. Mm -hmm. As foretold by the prophecy, when she saw that witch when she was a child, that her children would all die. Because of her. Because of her. And apparently, I hadn't, I can't remember the actual prophecy, but I did hear that she would only be on the throne for a day. And also, uh, the prophecy said that, um, they use a Valerian word here, but it translates to little brother. Her little brother would be her undoing. And... Do you I, think that's Jamie? Or... I was gonna say, speaking of fan theories, yeah. there's a theory out there <laughs> that it's gonna be Jamie and not Tyrion that will uh, remove her from power and or strike her down because she's gone too far. Well, I definitely 
because they, de- they didn't exactly have a tender look at there at the end. Well, yeah, because he comes back um, after having talked to Walder Frey, who I guess he doesn't know is dead now, and looks at her, and it's like, if she's on the Iron Throne, that means that something happened to their son. Yeah. And you, there's no way he can be happy about that. And he came in and saw, like, the fucking uh, sept in smoke, so yeah. things are not boding well for their relationship, I think. No. It's complicated at this point. Yeah, Facebook status, it's complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, he definitely has turned a new, kind of a new leaf. Like, he's been trying to do better things. Like, he went to Dorne to try to rescue his daughter. Mm-hmm. That did not bo- end well. Yeah, he's um, trying to become a deeper character. Yeah. And I think that he's he's kind of always been a kind of good guy. Obviously, he has his moments, like when he pushed Bran out the window. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, my God, that's kind of poetic justice that his own son went out a window, too. Yeah, I mean, they kind of evoke the same thing. Yeah. They like to tell stories and parallels in this Game of Thrones. Um. And I think Brienne really helped him, like, kind of turn that leaf. So mm-hmm. he's come back, and now he's got to deal with the consequences of his mad queen. Which he didn't want on the throne to begin with, because yeah. he knows what she's like. Um, and he went, he was one of the proponents of, like, her going back to um, the Lannister place, Casterly Rock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so... Sorry to go off on that little tangent about King's Landing. Um, so we're back to Marine, and they've got all their forces together, right? Yep, and they um, they they do some they play some Enya, <laughs> and they sail away. <laughs> and so what a lot of people actually missed here, um, because you can't really see it unless you pause and like enhance the fucking video. Um, is the different banners that are on all the different sails of the ships. So you actually have the Dornish banner. You have the Iron Islands banner. Oh, I did not see that. You didn't see any about of the it. Dornish one, especially. Yeah. Because I didn't realize. I mean, I knew that Varys happened to be on the boat with Daenerys. Yeah, Canaris. he came back. So like, he's that connection basically. Ah, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. I believe there was another banner, but I'm not 100 percent sure. But She's got quite a bit of support now from a lot of different places. So she's going to be making some headway when she reaches King's Landing uh, the next day, basically. Yeah. So you also have these gigantic dragons flying over. Mm-hmm. And as you pointed out, where are they going to land? Where are they going to go? So I like my theory was they're like seagulls, and mm-hmm. they will just perch well, in the water. Seagulls are ducks. Yeah, they just kind yeah. of like sit and bob on the water. Yeah. Which is the best image of those dragons I've ever had in my head. They'll just swim like little ducks. Yeah, they've got a little paddle with the little feet. Do you know, oh, well, the theory I heard about Varys was that he's a merman. Yeah, I heard that too, um, which apparently is a thing in Game of Thrones. Like, this is a real thing that exists. Like, Wouldn't it be cool if she was able to convince them to take over King's Landing as well? Like, w- just to join forces with her? Right. Um, it would be very interesting, but... I think they kind of have their hands full with a lot of the uh, fey elements of Game of Thrones because that kind of shit is pretty much dying out. Yeah. It's kind of like um, Middle Earth at this point where, like, everything is dying out. It's now the age of men, essentially. To me, it's kind of like that miniseries Merlin from back in, like, 1997. Mm -hmm. It was on, like, NBC where you have Mab, Queen Mab, and she is magic, and Merlin is, like, turning his back on her because it is the age of, like, 
things are changing. Age of Man and the Age of Magic is done with. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately, it turns into Christianity, and then you know everything does not get better. I mean, that also shows up here with the um, the the seven uh, versus the God of Light, uh, which is the God of Magic, basically. Uh, and it's funny to actually see the one god actually having an influence in the world compared to the seven. Yeah. Um, so I thought this episode was really good because it tied up all these loose ends. Um, I was really, it was, I was really happy to see, um, Samwell again because, you know, I kind of missed him Mm -hmm. even though it was a weird humor part, um, and then to know what happened in the Tower of Joy, even though there was a whisper and like, you know, and still... even though we already knew what was going on. Yeah, but I mean, for people who for like myself season. who hadn't read all those books and don't really know the theories and don't go online necessarily on Reddit and mm-hmm. you know talk about it endlessly, I I was happy to know that this is a thing. Like mm-hmm. I don't know that there's like a prophecy about this. Yeah, that's why everyone was saying, um, what like. Uh... R plus L equals J or some shit. Right, I would not have known that had yeah. I not talked to another Game of Thrones fan. Mm-hmm. So, overall, I really enjoyed this. Out of seven blessings, how many would you give it? I'd give it a five. Five of seven blessings. Could be better. The jumping around was awful. Um, they could have done this in a much more succinct way. Uh, and I think they really advanced the plot further than they should have with them already sailing out basically because we're going to pick it up the next day they're going to have landed basically and the new war is starting so everyone's going to be scrambling around um it's not going to be very organized how could it possibly be with this sudden you know invasion uh so i don't think i think it could have been better I forgot to mention, mm-hmm. we didn't really talk about everyone proclaiming Jon Snow King of the North. Oh, why Why do we need to talk about that? Because well, because Lyanna Mormont was cute. Yes, yes, Lyanna Mormont was quite cute, and she was the highlight of that scene, but that scene in general is the worst part of this episode. Yeah. Uh, because why does it matter he's the King of the North? He has the Night King to fight. Once that guy's dead, then, truly dead... Then he's the king of the north because ain't no king like the Night King. That's a great song, <laughs> or it could be a great song. Ain't no king like the Night King. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, you kind of see it on John's face, like he's like, ah, well, mm, okay, sure, this didn't go well for my brother before, and which is something they're trying to go for scene wise. Where is Ghost? Who the fuck knows? <laughs> like, they mentioned him in, in uh, this scene, and, like, then you forget, oh, yeah, that he has a, a dog somewhere? I don't I don't know. I'm hoping they actually uh, show him warging a bit, because he was a big warg in the books. Yeah. He actually, like, had quite a lot of, like, moments with Ghost, so it'd be sad if they just cut that away. Yeah. Any final thoughts on this episode? Or on the season of Game of Thrones? This was the worst season by far. What do you think the reasons for that? Because uh, it seems like they hired a bunch of sitcom writers to fill in for the otherwise uh, lore that could have taken place. They had a lot more material they could have worked with, but chose not to uh, for sake of comedy, basically. There's a lot of scenes that were useless and 
didn't add to the value of the story whatsoever and was basically filler, which was, sad to say, mostly Arya's story. And the Hound. Why bring back the Hound in this season when he won't have any effect until next season? They're just setting up these tiny stories to kind of go into place when you don't really need to. People can just figure it out. We're fucking smart. Yeah. As per, like, all the people that have these crazy theories, which end up being mostly right, so... Yeah. I like being surprised, so I don't try to... Right. I like being surprised, too, but they're treating us like a bunch of children watching a show which children should not be watching. True. Um, they show us, like, oh... Uh, this thing is happening right now, so you know this thing's going to happen later. Just so you know, we want you to know this is what's happening, this is how it ties together. Uh, so this is by far the worst season because it is mostly fan fiction. Yeah, I think that if this had been, a, like, the first episode, sorry, first season, where they had to set up all these characters, and they, ha- you know, when they say previously on mm-hmm. Game of Thrones, then it's useful. But otherwise, just we, we, we're caught up. We know what's happening. Right, and I... I it's kind of a mixed blessing with the uh, sept blowing up with a lot of major characters inside. That is good as far as tying up storylines, technically, uh, giving other characters motivation, but also <laughs> in very atypical Game of Thrones fashion, a lot of people dying at once, because usually it's the ones you love the most that die. And granted, I did like Marjorie for the most part, but I thought she was smarter than this. Yeah, well, she got beat by Cersei. Yeah. On that note, <laughs> um, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me and my unpopular opinions on Twitter at jpriceisright. Great, and you can find me on Twitter as well at yoprice, and on Instagram at adprice, that's A-D-I-P-R-I-C-E, where you can find my artwork and other things. Um, thank you so much for listening to this season of for the watch. For the watch. Next next year we'll be um, speaking of Dorn. Yes. <laughs> um, hopefully, I mean, because it's gonna be shorter seasons, so yeah, it won't be as much. But hopefully, there'll be more to talk about rather than long drawn out scenes, which are pointless. So hopefully, there'll be actually a lot more content because I guess there'll be a, a war, a new war going on. So yeah, lots of battles, things to talk about, I guess. And hopefully, there won't be any naval battles because that shit is. Boring. The worst, yeah, because Ger Martin goes into painful detail in the books about naval battles, which was the worst part of that whole series. Do you know that I actually blocked out the fact that Stannis came on ships to take over King's Landing, and that Tyrion used the wildfire to, like, I forgot that entire thing, because naval warfare just does not interest me. Right. I'd rather watch some people on a battlefield getting... Like, what they did with um, Jon Snow this season, mm-hmm. that was interesting. And if I could see some, you know, dragons attacking some people in a big theater, like, whatever, whatever it is, well, I do not want ships. Yeah, I mean, neither do they, apparently, because the dragons easily defeat the ships and they take the ships. And, as you said, Tyrion destroys a bunch of them with wildfire, so they're not big on naval combat in the show, thankfully. All right, well, anyways... Um, Wrapping up now, um, you can find more episodes of For the Watch on ForTheWatchPodcast.com. Please take a moment to go to RhymeAndReason.com and check out some of the stuff we write about, music, pop culture, that sort of thing. And our other podcast. Yeah, and uh, which comes out almost once a month. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And go to Facebook.com slash RhymeAndReason for updates. Thanks so much for being on the podcast and for dedicating your time, Joshua. I really appreciate it. I had a lot of fun. 
Uh, thanks for having me. Sure, and thank you to all of our guests who have been on. Yes, you guys uh, rock. Oh my god, I, yeah. I'm. You guys have really helped make this podcast amazing. It is so great. Yeah. Um, signing off. For the watch. For the watch.